0: Welcome to another episode of Mashiach Mondays This is Shomer Man coming at you And I want to just give a quick update on some of the things that are going on Some changes, some adjustments I will now be switching back to podcast only uh, For the remainder of classes So I apologize to those of you who are avid YouTube watchers like myself Uh, But I will be continuing the series of Master Plan and Mashiach Mondays with the help of Hashem via podcast only. So uh, stay tuned. If YouTube videos do come back into play at some point, I will keep you updated. But in the meantime, here we go. So last week we talked about Mashiach being the shapeshifter, the Mishnah Zura, as it says. Uh, Mishnah being the repetition of the Torah, like when we get to Sefer Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy, that is known as the Mishnah Torah. It is the recounting, the repetition of the Torah. So you have this picture here of Mishnah, like the repetition of the Torah, and then the word Zura, which means form, which is actually... If you scramble the letters, do some etymology, you also get the word Zohar, so like the light. So the repeated Torah of light, basically, or the window of the repeated Torah, or the stone of the repeated Torah. Because when you study the commentary on what was the Zohar that was hung in the ark, which sounds a lot like someone being hung on a tree, but we digress. So just to bring that up, that uh, the commentary says that it was either a window, it was either a stone, or it was a light of some sort. But the Midrash goes into the fact that this stone was able to be as luminous as it needed to be when it was dark, and it was lesser light when it was daytime outside. So the way that all the travelers in the ark, which there were Noah and his sons, Uh, The way that they were able to know uh, when it was dark or when it was night is based off of what the stone was doing. So now you have this idea of the stone kind of changing and shifting according to the times. And so we have with the Mashiach. So to continue on, I'm on Messiah text page 32. And I want to talk about the beggar Messiah. There was a beautiful, before I get into this, a quick swerve, there's a beautiful uh, lecture, a beautiful sure from Rabbi Roskin, and this is posted on YouTube, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the coordinates. Um, it was posted, uh, as of this podcast, it was posted on March the 21st, um, and it is called Passover, the most enigmatic section of the Haggadah, explained on five levels. Well, it's a 22-minute video, and it's jam-packed because it's Rabbi Roskin I a.k.a. Rabbi Ridiculous. So, with that being said, the beautiful thing he goes into, there's a beautiful story at the end about Eliyahu Hanabi, who appeared in the form of another person, and I don't want to give the story away, but just to let everyone know, Eliyahu Hanabi is given almost this uh, folklore type overlay of his being, his character, that he can appear and disappear, and he's a beggar, he's a, uh, a worker, he's a uh, just a sage, wise old sage that comes through town and things like that. And Actually, we read about Eliyahu Hanabi during the Melba Maka meal, the fourth meal, the meal that we have after Havdalah, for those of us who do that. Uh, And there is a beautiful story about the um, appearance of Eliyahu as he appears to a certain Yid who is in need of assistance. So uh, check that out uh, if you have time. It's in the family Zimmerot, and it's a beautiful uh, segment there. So without further ado, just wanted to mention the Rabbi Raskin video that he goes into talking about Eliyahu Hanabi, and it was tied into the Pesach Seder where the door is open to look for Eliyahu. Is he at the door? And then also to mention the fact that at the end of the Shabbat, we talk about Eliyahu, Appearing in a different guise to help someone So let's learn about how Mashiach also does the same thing because last week's class we talked about the fact that Mashiach One of his names is Eliyahu So The beggar messiah on page 32 of the messiah text says V Eli Elimelech Dwelt in the city of Dinov And he had a son who was the rabbi of Stradzev, but who always sat with his father in Dinov. So we got the rabbi of Stradzev sitting with his father, who is the rabbi of Dinov. So once a poor beggar came to the city of Dinov for the Holy Shabbat, and that poor man was the Mashiach. He went to the he went to a ruinous house, for they did not let him enter a respectable lodging. Now think about this in the light of Mashiach going to the quote unquote not respectable housings of you know sinners, tax collectors, and whatnot. Specifically, Zacchaeus, and this was in the region near Jericho. Which was just kind of like, why did you go all the way there to talk to that gentleman? But anyway, it goes on to say. He left his things with a poor baker whose boys plagued him very much on the Shabbat. The boys chased after him at the time of prayer so that one could not pray. At the outgoing of the Shabbat a.k.a. Havdalah, the rabbi of Shrezev invited his chasidim to the meal ushering out the queen Shabbat, the queen Sabbath. This is the Mel of Amakamil. It says, And the aforementioned poor man also came with them to the meal. And thereto the boys made fun of him and also plagued him. And when the rabbi of Shrezev saw this, he arose and said to the poor man, Go, please. When the rabbi of Shrezev saw this, he arose and said to the poor man, Go, please, to rabbi David Rees. He too is having a rich meal ushering out the queen, and there you can eat and drink to your heart's desire. But he answered, My intention is not to eat and drink, but to hear words of Torah. Selah. The rabbi of Strazev there, thereupon rose and drove him out and drove him from his house, lest he cause them a disruption in celebrating the ushering out of the queen. See this is why we have to be careful who we are who we think we're talking to and dealing with as personalities and also how we're treating other people you know, the writer to the Hebrews said that, you know, when you practice hospitality, you could be actually entertaining angels. Well, case in point, uh, how about the angel of all angels? (laughs) Mashiach. So going on. So the rabbi of Shrezev was like, you have got to get out, not to mention, remember, it says that the rabbi of Dinov had a son who was the rabbi of Strazev but who always sat with his father in Dinov. So this rabbi of Strazev is in his father's house in Dinov, and he is kicking out this beggar, this poor man, and this poor man happens to be the Mashiach. Says going on. While they sat at the ushering out of the queen, the rabbi of Dinov was already asleep, and his son, the rabbi of Shrezev, locked the door from the outside. After they ate, the rabbi of Shrezev said, Let us recite Birkat Hamazon, Grace After Meals, for I must go to open the door. Now, says the rabbi of Dinov was already asleep, and his son, rabbi of Shrezev, locked the door from the outside. So, the door was locked from the outside, right? So, after they did B'erkanah was on, they wanted to go unlock the door. It says, and he went to open the door. He found that the door was locked from the inside as well. And as he tried to open it, he heard that inside the house, people were discussing mysteries of Torah. And it came to pass in the morning that he asked his father, who was there with you? He told him that it was the aforementioned poor beggar who was Mashiach ben David. When his son heard this, he fell to the ground and fainted. And when he came to, he instantly ran to the baker to find out whether the poor man was there, but he found him not, for a pillar of fire had come and taken him from there May the merit of the pious protect us. Messiah text page 32. Citing Sofer. Which is Sepure Yaakov. Page 35 through 36. Just want to point out. Not only is the Mashiach associated with a poor man. But he's also associated with a poor man. Who is associated with a baker. So how fitting is this for the week of Pesach. That the poor man's bread. The beggar Mashiach connection to Eliyahu and all of that is going on here this week. So Baruch Hashem for that and uh, this week for Shabbat we'll have Shabbat Hagadol with the help of Hashem, which means that our Havdalah is going to be Pesach and that Pesach will be uh, a Seder. And instead of doing a normal Havdalah and instead of going into a normal Melaveh makamil The mel of a maca meal will be the Pesach Seder. So what a beautiful, opportune time this is. So, mysteries of Torah. Let's discuss words of Torah whenever we're eating. So that should be the goal, uh, by the way. And I was reading in Master Plan and Horeb over this past Shabbat that one of the big things you want to make sure you do at your Shabbat meals, whether it be your Erev, your Oneg, your third meal, or your a Makah meal. You have four different meals. By the way, think of the four-letter name of Hashem. Think about the four-letter name of Mashiach, right? So at each of those meals, your goal is to discuss what you've learned throughout the week. If you've had any questions, if you've had any things that have like sparked you, this would be the time to go over that so moving right along I want to go into what the rabbis know about Mashiach what the rabbis know about the Messiah I want to start on page 45 because I want to talk about Mashiach being the son of David and son of God but before we do that we have to understand this concept of Mashiach being known as the greater David so I'm going to hold my place there and I'm going to give some footnotes along with this uh, because we're going to key in on footnote 11, which happens at the very bottom of the page. So here we go. So it says, finally, the prophet Micah confirms that Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the birthplace of David, will also be the birthplace of the greater David. When he was inspired by Ruach HaKodesh to speak, Be but thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Yehudah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Yisrael, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. A lot to really get into on that, but that is cited from Micah 5-2. So, um, you know what? With the help of Hashem, I have an Instagram. So, one of the things I want to try to implement is things that I cover here in the podcast that I don't get to. Uh, I will be posting those on my Instagram. So, uh, in due order is to post uh, Micah 5-2 commentary. Because it really intrigues me that the Mashiach is known as someone who's going forth is from of old. So just so everyone knows. um, I'm not able to really log back into it here, I don't think. But I do have emet.eliram as an Instagram. And I will also be, uh, Bezerat Hashem, getting back on uh, Shomer Man. So, yep, this is not time to pull that up. But anyway, uh, stay stay tuned for that, and I'll keep you posted. So, with that being said, moving to the next paragraph. It says, the prophet here cannot have been speaking of David since this ruler is one who was from Everlasting. Remember, we learned also with Mashiach's names last week, we learned that one of his names is Ye Known, which means everlasting one. Before the sun shone, right, from our Psalms passage, um, 72, but we'll continue forward here. But the point is, this ruler who's known by David is from Everlasting, And he's born in the same place that David was born. And Micah is prophesying this. Okay, think about the timeline of when Micah existed. Think about the timeline of when David existed. And put it together as we read this prophecy. Okay, and it says also the prophet speaks of the future. And David was dead and buried by the time Micah spoke. The psalmist Ethan the Ezraite also recognized that the throne referred to in Nathan's Nathan's prophecy was not simply an earthly throne, but one which would be occupied eternally by a greater David. So we're not talking about an earthly throne. So Yeshua, when he was before Pilate. Did he not say his kingdom was not of this world? Going on, it says, I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. His seed will his seed. Also, I will make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. My covenant, I will I not break. I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever forever. And his throne as the sun before me, it shall be established for ever as the moon, and as faithful witness in Shemaim in heaven. That comes from Tehillim Psalm eighty nine twenty seven, verse twenty nine, uh, verse thirty four to thirty seven, and also Tehillim eighty nine twenty eight, verse thirty and verses thirty six to thirty eight in the Hebrew. Gotta love footnotes, source everything out, nothing is made up in Torah, it's all sourced out. This is why this class is so important because when we believe in Mashiach, we want to make sure we're believing via sources and not via our own whim. Going on it says, the psalmist here is no doubt longing for the greater David, for he was expecting Mashiach who would endure forever and who is God's firstborn. A Midrashic portion has this comment about the telling, about the psalm. Rabbi Nathan said that God spoke to Israel, saying, As I made Yaakov firstborn, for it is written, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Shemot 4.22 So also will I make Mashiach my firstborn, as it is written, I will make him my firstborn. Tehalim 89.27 So let's read the footnote before I give any uh, conjecture on that. comes from the Midrash Rabbah Shemot. This is on page 47 now of what the rabbis know about the Messiah. All the footnotes I mentioned are notated here. It says Midrash Rabbah Shemot 19. Jewish commentators interpret the Psalmic passage as messianic. They note rightfully that the faithful witness in heaven are faithful witnesses in heaven are the sun and the moon mentioned in the psalm. Hence, they link it to the prophecy in the book of Yermiyahu, Jeremiah, where God takes the sun, moon, and stars to be witness before him that Yisrael, Israel, will endure forever. Yermiyahu Jeremiah 31 verses 35 to 36. These same witnesses testify Mashiach is the first begotten of God and that he will endure forever. Just the point that I wanted to mention is we have Yisrael being Yaakov is the firstborn. But really, that's about the nation of Israel. Yisrael. And Mashiach is the firstborn. But really, we're talking about Yaakov, Jacob, which is really Israel. And if you go back to Par Shavayetze, back to the ladder of Jacob portion, you'll get into the Medrash, and it talks about when the angels ascend and descend upon the ladder, it says they descend and ascend upon him. And that being upon Yaakov they're ascending and descending and also brought down that the angels see the face of Yaakov engraved on the throne, as well as they see the face of Yaakov lying in the middle of the temple mount, Mount Moriah. So then you have Yeshua who says that you'll also see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. And remember who the son of man is. We talked about that. Uh, that I actually connected to uh, the Purim uh, video that I did. There was a Zoom for Purim uh, for 5781. So if you want to go back to that, I spent a lot of time talking about that at the beginning. uh, And that's also from the Messiah text as well. So that's our David drop. That's our firstborn drop. So the Mashiach is known as a firstborn. So this is why... Depending on what commentary you read, Mashiach is either, um, or Sleka, Isaiah 53 is either Mashiach or Yisrael. So we know the answer is yes. Okay. So, my little bookmark just fell out. That's okay. Brukashem, I'm going to go back. Couple of page. I'm gonna be in the Mashiach how section here. Take a minute to find it. Oh, here we go. Okay. Gotta go forward a little bit. I'm gonna do a big jump in this section. So Because we spoke about the Mashiach being from everlasting before creation, things like that. Here we go. So, this will be actually our ending uh, section. So, I'm going to go to. Actually, I got one more thing after this. Uh, Tehalin, or. Wow. Tehalin. Lots of Tehalin. Brugishem. But Mashiach, how? page 192 so the who what when who what why how where when by who's our author Chaim Kramer okay it's a Breslev publication if you don't know now you know page 192 says We're gonna pick up uh at the first sentence here it says thus begin the final two millennia these final two thousand years that we're currently in okay actually because i'm curious i want to go back to the last page you know what we're just gonna read all of this sanhedrin 97a this is in bold on page 191 the world will last six thousand years for the first two thousand years the world was desolate the next two thousand years are those of the torah or those of torah the final two thousand years are the days of the Mashiach. so wouldn't it be fitting'cause we're we're talking about bookends so much when we talk about Aleph tabs, we talk about the first and the last we talk about how we are we go from you know David to David, you know with the king the king on the throne that is everlasting. The Davidic dynasty is really the beginning of the kingship of Israel even though it started off with a descendant from Rachel, Rachel, that is, whose son is Shaul, King Saul. And uh, we know that King Saul's dynasty would have been forever had he been a person of Teshuvah. But the person of Teshuvah was David, and because of that, he was actually able to merit an everlasting dynasty. This is why when the Mashiach, who descends from Yosef, Again, one of Rachel's children, Rachel's descendant, uh, he will reestablish David's dynasty, which is kind of neat that there's been a foreshadow of that because Shaul, in a way, established King David's dynasty by him being disobedient. Had it not been for that, then he would have had sons who would have perpetuated the dynasty. However, when the Mashiach Ben Yosef comes, he rectifies what King Shaul has done because he doesn't try to keep the throne. He doesn't try to shift blame on anything, but he actually makes himself a throne for Ben David, for the descendant of David to reign. So he clears a path and makes a way for the kingship of David to be resurfaced. Because if you look at what happened after the destruction of the first temple, the uh the kingship really just kind of went dormant, even though we know we have Zerubbabel and things like that who come back and uh, bring us into uh, rebuilding the second temple. But when we have the Greeks when they come in and uh you know defile the temple and things like that, uh the Maccabees, which are descendants of Levi, Levi, Levites, uh they come over and they hold on to the kingship and do not return it back to Yehuda. So because of that, uh, there was a horrible end there. And not only that, we really lost our footing because then Rome swept in and we really just fell prey to a lot of what was going on there because, you know, Rome came in and they took over and, you know, they bought positions they they brought out all the roles of the the priesthood so with that being said that was the time when mashiach came and that was the the fulcrum uh fluctuation movement if you will the transition of time periods from the 2000 years of torah into the 2000 years of the days of mashiach so mashiach came around that time and even on the Gregorian calendar, we know this by the fact of the Dominion or the Common Era uh, notation of the time of the years. So there's this pivotal point in history, even on the Gregorian calendar, the non-Hebrew calendar. So that means whatever this time frame is, uh, we're looking at dates that are pretty close to the last 2,000 years of our current time count on the Hebrew calendar. So with all that being said, that means uh, we're in the year 5781 now, so the year 6,000, give or take, a couple of hundred years from now. The crazy thing is, is there is a discrepancy, so we could have that many hundreds of years or less. So... We are practically there, basically. And the tech, Atomic team, the resurrection of the dead, could happen as early as two to 300 years before uh, the end of the 6,000 years. So, what are we expecting? What are we asking for? What are we yearning for? Because we're in the time. We're in that zone. Uh, if you don't believe me, because i'm not sourcing things out and because that sounds really crazy why don't you check in with rabbi anava shlita or rabbi pinkus winston shlita Uh, they both talk about yamosa mashiach a lot and really get into the sources about mashiach is late he should have been back all these kinds of things so they don't say he should have been back they should they say he should have came by now but for those of us who know hebrew we sing in the Birkat Hamazon, Yavo Verina no sealumotav, he shall return a bearer of his sheaves. Uses Yavo. And Yavo is actually the word for come. But it's also apparently in the Birkat Hamazon the word for return. So, what is that? And just another one, uh, the time has come or the time has returned. Um, and the. Yadid Nefesh, the beloved of the soul blessing that we recite on Shabbat. So there's those two things. But anyway, to get back to this, Mashiach came at the beginning. Mashiach ben Yosef, who's, by the way, Mashiach ben David, spoiler alert. um, He came at the beginning of this epoch that we're in for the days of Mashiach and will return, whether earlier or at the end, that's up to to Hashem that's up to are we praying are we asking are we putting ourselves in the position for that to happen because you know we have to create a vessel for the blessings of Hashem the ultimate blessing of Hashem which is Mashiach we have to create a vessel for that you know if we're not being aware of hastening the day hastening the arrival there's a whole section about hastening the end in the messiah text and it's not a this apocalyptic horrible destruction thing though the longer we wait the more it gets there yeah you want asteroids you want zombie apocalypse you want uh horse-sized hornets coming at you with no rider um yeah go ahead just wait just sit back and try to preserve your life Because we know what Mashiach Yeshua says, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But lose your life for my sake and you will find it. So enough of that. Page 191 in the Mashiach How section says, This world as we know it was created to last for 6,000 years. The first 2,000 years, the world was desolate. For it was without Torah, without spiritual direction. The patriarch Abraham was fifty two years old when the when the world turned two thousand. Wow. So we got Abraham turning fifty two. This makes me think about the comment to Mashiach when He says, before Abraham was, I am. And then the people are like, but you're not even yet 50. So 52, by the way, is the gematria of Ben, which is son. So just looking here that when Abraham turns the age of the gematria for son, that was when the world turned 2000 and that was the beginning of Torah. And then not only that, we have the the introduction of Torah worldwide from a mountain known as Mount Sinai. So, you know, we span that time frame there and then we span all the way up to the time of the days of Mashiach. So from Abraham through Mount Sinai, through all the king's dynasties and all that into The beginning of the Roman exile. We have the 2000 years of Torah. And then from that time period of Roman exile to where we are today. This is the days of Mashiach and we're coming to a close. So just kind of expanding the scope here to look at that. Just remember that the Torah was available. But only to a select few. Like Adam. His son Seth. And Noah and his son Shem and Shem's grandson Ever and Shem and Ever both taught Avraham Shem is also Melchizedek when you get into the sources on that so that means there's an unbroken chain of Torah even though it wasn't fully revealed in the world from Adam to Abraham it was a short chain because Abraham was alive during the time of Shem and if I'm not mistaken he was alive even during the time of Noah but I don't want to uh, drop that as gospel truth because that source is not in front of me but definitely during the time of Shem how do we know that because when Abraham paid tithes to malchizedek which was shem that was when he was transferred the kingship and the priesthood so that abraham could offer up offerings on the temple mount mount moriah namely his son the Akedah, Yitzhak, the bound one the marked one uh he was able to do that because he was given the mantle from shem and you know you have all that torah you have all that uh passed down and then obviously Abraham passes it to his son, Yitzhak, which is Isaac. Isaac passes it down to his son, Yaakov, which is Jacob. Jacob passes it down to Yosef, which is Joseph, and so on and so forth all the way there. So just a little uh, timeline recap. And it says, at that point in his life, Abraham began spreading the word of God. So we talk about witnessing in the four corners of the earth. What is the word of God that should be spread? That is Torah. Now, it says, thus initiating the two millennia period of Torah. Here is the thing. Spreading the word of God is not synonymous with forcing people to convert. Telling them they're sinners and they're going to hell if they don't. Telling them to believe solely in the Mashiach. Okay? Spreading the word of God is not that. You can literally spread the word of God by eating kosher and keeping Shabbat and Yom Tov. Because people are going to notice, why aren't you eating the food that's uh, provided by the catering company? You know, when it's pork sandwiches and all sorts of breakfast burrito stuff and cheeseburgers and whatnot. You know, it's just like, uh, no, thank you. I got my own lunch today. And you're missing for half a month, you know, during the uh, fall season when we're celebrating Rosh Hashanah through, uh, Sukkot. You know, people are going to notice that. And you're not working Saturdays. Like, what's the deal with you? Uh, you're always busy on Friday nights. What's the deal with you? Um... But you're a nice guy and you really love me. You really care about me. I just want to know what's up. <laughs> Why do you have that glow on your face? You know, that's how you spread the word of God as well. Uh, as well as just being open, being honest. Let your identity shine, you know. Do the things that, you know, Hashem has given us to do. And when opportunities present itself, they will. Uh, that's when we let some light in. Let it, Let it shine. Just go and let it out. Cats out of the bag at that point, and it's like, well, I didn't start this. You asked, okay. So anyway, just to let you know, Abraham did that. This is the meaning of Abraham and Sarah sitting on the way where all the travelers would go, all the the merchants and everything. They would travel, and Abraham and Sarah had their tents open on all four sides. They were beacons of waiting places or uh, host places. So they, they allow people to see and engage if they wanted to. And no, this is not a Jews don't proselytize because what was Philip, you know, Philip was known as an evangelizer. He was outside the chariot of a eunuch who was trying to figure out a passage of Tanakh, you know, and what was, uh, All the accounts and acts where the the Talmudim were traveling all over the place and the Shliakim were being sent out, you know. Well, these things happened because as people traveled, there began to be the word spread like, oh, such and such thing is going on, that's this person. And they began talking to that person who was interested, you know. It's a networking thing that happens organically. And it's nothing forced, and it's also nothing programmed. This is way different from uh, going out to people at a public location and having tracks in your hand saying, hey, if you died today, are you going to go to heaven or are you going to go to hell? What's your life like? What's your relationship with God like? Do you know him? Number one, if people are not focused on those kinds of things and you come into their face with those kinds of things, they're just kind of like, what is wrong with you, you know? So, uh, and, and why do we have to go all the way to the end of the, the road and be like, so if you died today, do you know if you're going to go to heaven or hell? You know, it's like, that's just weird. Don't do that. Um, going on, it says shortly after the redaction of the Mishnah, the two millennia period of Torah concluded. So this is your early centuries around the third to fourth century was when the Mishnah was beginning to be um, really kind of codified and and put into writing. So there were several kind of layers to this as it was put on because we had the Gemara added as well. So, Handbook of Jewish Thought, Volume 1, goes into a lot of that, if you want to look that up. But, just to say, the Mishnah was always a thing, it just never was put into writing until after the destruction of the Second Temple, for fear of losing the information. The effect of losing the Second Temple is so drastic that the world literally went into what's called the Dark Ages. You know, there was really not a necessary reason for that, because had the temple continued to exist and had we returned to Hashem like we should have and not really given into the lust and the desires of the flesh, baseless hatred and all of those sorts of things, and number one, casting out Mashiach to the nations as opposed to embracing him and, you know, accepting him as king like we should... Um, Yeah, if those things would have happened, we would have never had a dark age. But we digress. It says, so the thus began the final two millennium period, the period of Mashiach, once the Torah reached its state of maturity. So this is why Mashiach being born into the flesh is such a beautiful thing, because that was considered to be a point at which the Torah reached a state of maturity. And it says, the world became ripe for redemption. Having acquired the necessary tools, man must now make use of those tools to strive for this and the world's rectification. But this, or but is man up to the task? In a word, no. We need only look at the world around us to judge our state of readiness. So going down a little bit here, it says, and Mashiach was prepared for his mission to rectify the entire world long before it was created, Pesachim 54a. So this is where we jump to page 220. It says at the bottom, Da'at, which is knowledge. It says, for the world will be filled with the Da'at of God, the knowledge of God, Isaiah 11.9. The Talmud equates sin with foolishness. Sota 3a. Man's foolishness has caused his descent into the pit, into the depths of depravity and sin. Mashiach is on the level of Keter, which transcends even Bina. As we have seen in part three, Mashiach has awesome powers to bring people to recognize and serve God. Don't really want to digress too much, but just to say, especially when I was a part of Edom, a part of the church and Christianity, it was beautiful to see drug dealers and strippers and uh, all sorts of debaucherous type people uh, be broken of those patterns and those lifestyles. Like the foolishness was like just disintegrated and these people will become God lovers and. People lovers and like in a different way, because <laughs> obviously they were people lovers or haters, however you want to put it before, but just in a weird, twisted way. So now, you know, they're they're going to the assembly and they're they're seeking the word out. They're praying and they're they're they change their life. You know, literally people who used to shoot and stab people for a living. They stop. This is the power that is being uh, just put out in the church right now. Like, or at least back in what, 2013, I guess for me, it's now 2021. So however long ago that is, but anyway, don't know what's happening now, but just a beautiful thing to think about the fact of the power of Mashiach, because we do know the church has found Mashiach. They have the right one. They're just not following him, which is not anything new because even though Mitzrayim had Yosef. How many people became Jewish and kept Torah? You know, there were people who got circumcised. Yes, but, um, you know, how come the Jews were so different and despised when they got there? You know, now over time and over generations, because how do you think we got the Arab Rab, the mixed multitude coming out, probably because of the influence of Yosef a few generations ago. At that from that point in time but i digress it goes on to say as we have seen part three mashiach has awesome powers to bring people to recognize and serve god truth fear and awe of god prayer and the wondrous advice which stems from the torah of atik are but some of the weapons which he will employ but one of the most powerful weapons in mashiach's armory i love that because being shomer man all about the armory mashiach has an armory so that's pretty cool says mashiach's armory is intellect the great daat, the great knowledge that he will reveal this intellect the knowledge of godliness will spread over all the earth as people begin to search for god this is one of the biggest things that is a clue that mashiach has been revealed is that people now have access to God and they search for him even though they may not have a clue and they're being broken of these big big things you know um I think about the fact that Judaism teaches us that we just want to make sure man connects with Hashem this is why even the Noahide movement is beneficial even though that's not neither here, that's neither here nor there as far as my uh, opinion and uh, support or not goes. But the whole understanding of the Noahite movement is to get people to understand that there is a God, there is a creator, and there is no one like him. And that we would be remiss thinking that there isn't a God that exists and that our idols can be elevated above him. So, I mean, just getting to that point. So even if a person does come to the true faith in God, but yet they worship idols, at least they have true faith in God. And because of that, if they really have that true faith with with time, those things will work out because God will and God is faithful. I am a living example of that. I grew up in the church, loved triple double cheeseburgers, loved Xmas. You know, my last x celebration I got to have, I was so bent on getting a tree that I was willing to take it from a children's department at the church. And I would be like, yeah, y'all are giving me this tree to use, right? I'm going to lightly borrow this and I'm going to take it and set it up in my home. Like, that's how adamant I was about having a tree that I, I didn't even go out and buy my own. I'd rather take it from a children's department at a church <laughs> and be like, yeah, I'm going to use this and bring it back. Awkward. But anyway, there's hope because when one truly comes to know God, he does things. He works the heart. These these awesome powers that Mashiach has here, he reveals it. So your question may be, well, then how come all these people who are going to church aren't converting to Judaism? Well, think about the dynamics of what it takes to do that. You know, sometimes you lose your family, sometimes you lose your job. Sometimes, you know, you're you're not able to navigate through the mental psychology and gauntlet that it takes to uh, to stand up to your pastor or to family, friends or, you know, history in your family that you have to overcome. So, you know, unless a person is really ready to do that and they have support This is why if you're brand new to Torah and you've overcome so many challenges, this is why it's crucial that you're surrounded with people who encourage as opposed to discourage and people who equip you as opposed to whip you. Gotta take it easy. Even a Jewish child has 20 years to get this thing together. Why do you think as an adult you can do anything less or you can do anything better than that. So say la because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's harder to deprogram and relearn as opposed to just learning. Ask me how I feel about that, I guess. But anyway, (laughs) it says, so the knowledge of God will spread over all the earth as people begin to search for God as foolishness is rejected and the search for the word of God spreads. This is why it's important to understand people searching for God and really Rabbi Google having to work hard these days. So many people are tuning into Zooms and uh, lectures from rabbis all over the world, you know. And so this is why this is important. This is Mashiach. It says this is the ingathering of the exiles. I'm skipping a little bit. The ingathering of the shared shards of foolishness and their transformation into great intellect. Interestingly, this intellect will not be revealed at at once. Rather, it will come to a person as a revelation of faith in God. The more a person seeks God, the greater is one's faith in him. The greater is one's faith. The more one begins to see the hand of God guiding one through life. The dawning of the great daat which had already begun see above chapter 6 is actually the negation of idolatries and foolishness through faith thus great daat is actually faith strengthening one's faith in god is therefore the first step in repentance teshuva in in gathering the exiles and in the ultimate rectification of one's sins See also Lakute Halakot, Pesach 7, 21. That's Mashiach. Mashiach is that progression of faith, which is Teshuvah, which is elevating and elevating and elevating the righteous go from strength to strength, the rejection of idolatry, the rejection of foolishness, all these beautiful things. So the last thing I just want to talk about is actually four times in the Torah where we see Hamashiach as the Kohen. So we see HaKohen Hamashiach four times. We see Leviticus 4.3, 4.5, 4.16. This is all from Parsha Vayikra. And the last occurrence is Vayikra 6. Leviticus six twenty two, which is from Parsha Zav. So in Leviticus, which is Vaikra, and Parsha Vaikra and Parsha Zav, we see Hakohen Hamashiach. And this was cited by uh, gat Gedai of Bet Yisrael on Parsha Vaikra. This is where he picks up. It says Mashiach is King David. As it is written, I will raise to David a righteous shoot. Jeremiah twenty three five, And also, my servant David will be their prince forever. Ezekiel 37.25 Mashiach is Moshe, Moses. As we have learned that Moshe is the first and last redeemer. And in Gematria, Moshe equals Shiloh. Which is... Uh, in Bereshit, Genesis 49:10, Mashiach is Aharon, as it is hinted in the title used in the text, the anointed priest, HaKohen HaMashiach. The priest Mashiach. It says, as it is written, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he becomes a priest on his throne. Zechariah 6:12-13. Even though on earth he is not a priest, he acts as a heavenly priest and in the heavenly realms and the above Mishkan, the temple in Shemayim basically, the tabernacle, as is written, you are a priest for the world on the style of the king of justice, a.k.a. Melchizedek, Talim 110 verse 4, Psalms 110 verse 4. Then it says, but six and seven verses of this psalm hence to the soul of Mashiach. Mashiach Ben Yosef by acronym. This is from Kol Hator 261. So Kol Hator is another source, and you can uh, actually contact me, send me a voice message here on Anchor, and uh, let me know where you'd like me to send it, whether it be email or Signal or WhatsApp or. Or uh, even Instagram. Try to get back on Instagram here. So, uh, direct message me there, and I'll hook you up. So it says, for it is stated, you are a Cohen forever to be compared with Melchizedek That's from Hebrews seven seventeen. It says, but you are a chosen people, the King's Cohen, a holy nation, a people for God to possess. Why? In order for you to declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Send Mashiach now. May have a Shavuotov. And happy prep to Pesach. And when it gets here, I pray that you are filled and overflowing with joy. And really cry out at your Erev, uh Seder table. Cry out at your Seder table. For the Mashiach to come and for us to see Eliyahu this year and to be in the new Jerusalem.